Welcome to Archetypes and the Planets, where Andre Carr and I, Bea Gonzalez, invite you to think metaphorically as we explore how we have collectively translated the map of the sky into our mythologies, religious systems, and personal psychology. Okay, so um, today we're going to look at Venus and the aspects to Venus, and uh, I'll have you do a little recap, just quick recap, recap about what Venus is in a chart. And then from there, we'll just talk about what happens when you have conversations between Venus and many of the charts, uh, the other planets in a chart. And it could be, of course, a chart for a person, a mundane chart, anywhere. So just start off by maybe talking about some of the, the aspects, how that, what Venus signifies in a chart generally. Venus is, is what you like and what you're drawn to. And it's also what you're good at quite frequently because it connects to to talents which it's a biblical you know equivalent of money which is then the place that Venus often goes to in its association to Taurus Venus is also connected to Libra so the idea of relationships the person's love nature and you know ideas concepts feelings of attractiveness so what you find attractive both in yourself and in someone else, because then you can look at planets connected to that Venus to see how that's playing. And it's also, depending on the society you're in, different societies can find different things beautiful and interesting and attractive. There are things that tend to be universal. The idea of harmony, which is also very Venusian. So if you hear beautiful music or you see beautiful art, most societies would say, yeah, that's really interesting. Uh, because of the symmetries. That's another interesting way to uh, assess Venus. And then from there, you can also begin to see the potential problems. If the archetype is turned inward, narcissism is also something you would associate with Venus, because then it's the idea that you love yourself, but in a usually disharmonious way that then causes problems for you, for your relationships, etc. It's like gazing in the mirror, you know, constantly which is another venusian um, object so to speak mirrors so that's a that's a quick summary it tends to also uh, because of the idea of different societies appreciating different values which is a a a venus connection as well there's a sense that okay that's what we all agree on and then it becomes a kind of consensus uh, quality and there you can also see how societies can evolve and be at a point where they really disagree with something and 50 years later, they think it's totally fine and even uh, praise it. So uh, in that sense, the Venus has evolved as well. I think it's really interesting that we, I think we talked about this when we did our our episode on Venus in general, that if you're looking at beauty and symmetry, the actual orbit of Venus is quite beautiful and draws that beautiful mm-hmm. star, right? So it's actually showing in the in the way that it's circling things that it, uh, and in fact, I think the, the, the best example of this is the, um, chart cathedral you can see the the rose the that and that sort of looks very much like the yes cycle of venus so you almost have it inscribed in its very movement and and just to say about beauty often um we talked about this i think before people with venus on the ascendant are often considered the carriers or whatever the collective thinks of is beautiful it's not unusual to see that and thinking of Angelina Jolie and um, Paul Newman, these two great examples of people who ca- who carried that archetype, you know, that people looked to and said, this is what beautiful is. And, you know, lots of people say when they actually look 
at uh, what is considered beautiful, there is symmetries involved. It's how the 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 how symmetrical a face is, which is quite interesting mm-hmm. as well. So we must have it encoded uh, somewhere. And I'm and I'm glad you brought up value because I think value is the function that tells us how to relate to the world in our personal sense. In other words, what we value in the world, which is something that I think a lot of people are disconnected from, don't know. And it's one of the hardest things to figure out. And because I refer to Jung all the time, Jung thought the feeling function, feeling not being emotion, but being how we connect to what we value internally is what most people are disconnected from. So what happens is that you'll tell, you'll ask a person, well, what do you really value? And they won't be able to tell you because they do not know. And often that value, if you think of Venus as, as it's an associ- association story with the feminine and with Taurus, I think of it as a body thing. And that the people who know what they value are connected to their bodies and they can almost sense through the inner world without the mind cutting in. Just exactly what it is they're relating to and what they really need. People who are disconnected often cannot tell you what they value, how they react. They're very quick, maybe in a mercury kind of way, but they can't really tell you what means what something means to them. So I just think that's a, a second level. Now, what we've done before is we have gone um, from uh, planet to planet. And of course, we've already done Venus with all the other Mercury, Sun. So we're going to jump to Venus, Mars. And I... we. <laughs> I, you know, it was kind of comical. I was trying to find an example of Venus Mars and I couldn't find it. But as you might mention it, I know that one intimately because I have a square in my own chart. How do you see Venus Mars? How, how do you see it uh, functioning in? And let's talk. I know that it can be integrated it can, and it can be unintegrated. I think it's like the the idea that I have of the unresolved note, the unintegrated aspects like the squares and the oppositions and even sometimes the conjunctions, they can be unintegrated because you may be playing off one or the other. Um, I think those are the ones that give us more trouble. So I'm thinking more along those lines. If something is unintegrated, that will show up, I think, in a louder way. At least that's been my experience. I don't know if you agree with that. So maybe how does an unintegrated Venus Mars, what are some of the ways it can show up? Well, a classic would be a person that is drawn into relationship uh, as something they really like because it's like a moth to a flame. The two planets are linked. You you can think of Mars as the natural ruler of the first sign, and then it connects to Scorpio, which is the eighth. That's sex energy, among many other things. So then what you could have is a person that is constantly drawn to getting into relationships, but particularly when you have squares or oppositions, getting into contention, arguments. It's the idea that passion is what rules the the space. And so it's more exciting, but also more combative, which is what Mars tends to be. So it it throws a lot of energy into into the situation. The person can be really drawn to energy as well in the form of energy itself, in the form of athletics and sports, for example. If you see it in the case of a movie star, they might be doing very physical, you know, male oriented hero type uh, uh, things, you know, with their with their roles, what they're what they're presenting to the world. Uh, but it could also with Mars, you could go into the vulgar area as well, because Mars is notorious for that. I mean, when a person is cursing or just being totally vulgar, you, you can you can pretty well point to Mars. So sort of the idea of the Freudian, uh, you know, lens of the the, the the way Freud looked at the world, Mars was the key thing, libido, what people are doing with their raw desires, uh, and so forth. And you're linking Venus and Mars together. So the person with Venus Mars, almost by necessity, has to find Mars attractive or is trying to sort that out in some way. And you might even get a person 
who this happens it can happen in squares and oppositions especially probably conjunctions too where you can reject the archetype so the person with venus square mars can be you know find vulgar people very disdainful because that's pushing away the, <laughs> the energy as well but they're inextricably linked because if you have it like that you have to sort through it and that's where you know if a person says well what do i do with mine i always say well the way you learn is watch when planets go by and encounter yourself and encounter how you're feeling i noticed that mars Mars is an irritated energy a lot of the time. You're just, uh, you get, you know, tense and anything from irritated to really angry, but you got to sort through that. It's an energy flowing through you and you have to figure out how to channel it in a, in a, in a way that is not going to be against your own interests or other people's uh, interests. It's interesting about the um, the idea that Venus and Mars really are naturally going to be attracted to each other because if you look at the two signs that Venus rules and the two signs that Mars rules, they're opposite each other. Yes. And in the myth, Venus and Mars are always getting it on, even though Venus is married to Hephaestus. She's always trying to get a, have an affair with Mars. Um, and, you know, he's considered the dumb jock kind of idea, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but the idea is you cannot have one principle without invoking the other one, right? So mm-hmm. in some cases, I guess, in their, if they're in an integrated kind of relationship, then it might be easier. But I think when they're in an unintegrated uh, relationship, what may happen is that you play one off to the what one point and then you play the other one too much. So there's always an imbalance in the way you're approaching this. And, and this I say from personal experience, I'm older now enough to see what the patterning was, but it could be that, you know, you're trying to, uh, Venus is what you value. If Mars is in square to it or square or op- opposed to it, you tend to be either to be too aggressive in the way you pursue it, or maybe do not channel enough energy to, in the direction of what you of what you are trying to get. So there's always that. And sometimes what you end up doing is finding people to play that part for you when you can't play it yourself. So it's it's one of the ways to do it is you end up making friends or having a partner that is actually triggering that square that forces you into having that conversation, whether you like it or not in the real world. But curiously through the relationship, you can at least try to find a way to resolve it. So, you know, so I think with unintegrated planets, and and I think when I say unintegrated, I think, you know, the, the planets that are not having an easy conversation, often it's our relationships that actually help us, especially with Venus, to be able to understand how to resolve it, if we ever do. Sometimes you don't. Let's face it, some are really, really hard. But that's my been my experience, that the energy, the way I go about getting my Venus, and remember, my Venus is in the ninth house, so it's in publishing. So I've had, uh, you know, I've been published, and and it's, it's interesting, the amount of energy and how it's directed and how then I reject it. And it's a whole story, right? And, but I feel that I went and I've followed certain paths because Venus rules my third, so I write books, because I'm trying to resolve it. I'm not quite sure. And this is maybe something we should point out. If you have an unresolved conversation aspect between two planets, you will find the situations in life. You will create the situations right. in life yeah. that, you're, that you're trying to, basically what you're trying to do is you're trying to resolve the complex in Jungian terms or that specific aspect, right? Mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah, that's exactly it. That that uh, yeah, especially when a person is uh, more unconscious of their unresolved conflict, then it's a big shock. Look what happened to me, and you know yeah. they don't realize that it's their subconscious is saying, "Well, that's what you were trying to figure out. That's why I'm <laughs> bringing this in." But it can be a very unsavory type of thing as well. For example, you could see where uh, someone with Venus square Mars or opposite Mars, in the case, say if it's a woman she might be drawn to men that, you know, try to overpower her, that that boss her around, you know, typical Mars 
anything from pushy to uh, all the way to abusive, for example, that could happen. It's not. It may not be as complicated as some of the outer planets to Venus, the way that could show up. But I mean, Venus Mars is pretty standard. It's the it's the logic that everyone has a Venus Mars they're connected to uh, in a really immediate way. I mean, it, they, it's even the sign, you know, in the in the restrooms. Venus, male, the male female energy. It's almost assumed. And when you think of you look at the symbols, Venus is set, it looks like a receptive symbol. Mars looks like an aggressive yes. uh, type of yes. symbol, right? Yes. So yeah, and, and for example, what you said about they're together in some way in the chart, figuring out in yourself, discovering how to express your Venusian energy, it has to go through the Mars. So you might be over overdoing it in some way, or you may perhaps underdoing it if you start to push back on the Mars. It becomes a challenge, yeah, yeah. it's totally yeah. true. But, but that's how you that grow. That's, that's, how you that's, grow. It. that's it. I mean, I think people want to have the easy chart, but that's not a life. That's, uh, you know, that's well, how to grow. And something else that, that I could add is that you, you, will, you would see this in, in relationships between people. And it is more likely that a Mars square or an opposition or a conjunction will trigger an attraction between people than if it's sextile or trying because it creates the spark, the, the kind of, you know, something that is more energetic, more passionate, but then can lead to more discord as well. And that's almost like, again, a moth to a flame type of energy uh, that you see both in Venus, Mars, and in other ways in people's relationships where very, very seldom do people have everything in sextile yeah. and try and everything is, then there's no, there's almost no interest in the, in right. the matter. Yeah. Right. Uh, so what I've done here is I put up some, just to go, I put up a, a number of, uh, can you see them, Andre? Can you see the uh, charts? I can see, yeah, uh, Angelina okay. Jolie. No, this is, should be Angelina Jolie. This should be, uh, yes. are you looking up here? I'm, what I'm seeing is Angelina Jolie. Oh, okay. So I got to stop share. We must have, I must have um, pulled, pulled up the wrong thing. Sorry. Um, let me uh, share the screen again, because I definitely do not want to bring that up. I want to bring this one up. Uh, you can can you see the PowerPoint, Jennifer Aniston here? I can, yeah. Jennifer okay, all right. Aniston. So this one is actually the my sample chart for uh, Venus, um, uh, which which was the one that I what I it was a Venus Jupiter. I, Venus <laughs> Jupiter, yeah. Venus okay, Jupiter, Venus, right? Because after yeah. after Mars, we 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 had Jupiter, right? Um, mm -hmm. And so this is an example of a Venus uh, Jupiter opposition. And actually, I know I, I you wouldn't call Venus Saturn here a conjunction, but they're co-present. Let's say right, they're in the same yes. space. Uh, but that's a you know uh, Venus Jupiter, and it rules your chart. So I think, what what is Venus and Jupiter when they come together? And in, in this case, again, if you look at you have to look at a chart in context. So if it is the ruler of the ascendant, then this is a pretty important planet. You would say right? Mm -hmm. How how do, you know? You could also say it's Venus opposite Uranus, as Uranus Jupiter in conjunction. So it brings mm -hmm. in a kind of instability. But let's just talk right now about the Jupiter. How, what's Venus-Jupiter? When you put these two supposed benefics together, what can happen? Well, I think it's very different when they're in opposed square than uh, even than conjunction, although you could throw the conjunction in there as well. But trying in sextile, it'll be a lot softer, the relationship. But when they're opposite, you know, it... it it makes the connection more intense. And so then it, it'll go in both directions. The, but we're talking about Venus here. So Jupiter expands the, you know, the Venus concern. So Venus being a, a, on one level, the beauty archetype, 
the person can be really concerned with that and, and make it part of their philosophy and really expand into it often inappropriately because of the fact that the Jupiter is opposed. This is also a, a pretty clear drift into indulgence because Venus and Jupiter, neither of these planets likes working or doing anything other than enjoying and uh, it's a pretty hedonistic type of um, angle to have in an opposition. So now, Jennifer Aniston, what we know about her, she may be that way on some level, but probably the Saturn is saving her from that. Yeah, yeah, I would say the Saturn measure. So then it, it, it adds, it brings in a measure of discipline. But uh, normally I warn people when they have Venus opposite Jupiter to be aware of their drifting into, you know, areas where they're uh, wasting energy, for example, spending too much money, Jupiter opposite Venus, uh, very carefree and everything is is enjoying and and uh, having fun. Right. So, uh, but if you can turn that into a good thing in some way, for example, you could see how Venus opposite Jupiter could make a great comedian uh, right away because of Jupiter as the laugh planet and Venus being a talent, that could work really well. Again, though, she's not particularly that way. I would say with, with Aniston, what you see most clearly is that she's known for the relationship yeah, area. That's what so I was going to say. Almost always. She, yes. and, you know, that, but that's so classic that the Venus, first of all, rules the ascendant. The ascendant is Libra. She, the Venus is in the seventh house. And then you can bring in why, why does she do movies where breakups, coming back together, that's the Venus Uranus, Venus Jupiter is part of it. You know, it's like in a sense, you're exalting this area. You're making it into this big thing. Right, right, know, right. That, right. Uh, uh, yeah. Right. I would say that that would be my analysis of this too. Her Venus is in the seventh house. And one of the weird things is in some ways she's known more for her relationship with Brad Pitt and the spectacular breakup they had where he left her for Angelina Jolie. Then she's almost, I mean, her work is very well known too. friends again, friends, the Venus thing, you know, um, mm -hmm. and relationships. So that, that was a series about people relating to each other, but the Jupiter opposing it, she's had many public, well, more than one public relationship. And that it's often seems to be in the news somehow, you know, that's, it makes the news in some way that seems a little bit too much. Like there's a too muchness, which again is the Jupiter quality. Uh, mm -hmm. I would say that she's probably a very hard worker because that Saturn is there probably co-present. So, and she probably does want to have a solid relationship that's long lasting because that's a Saturn signature as well. Mm -hmm. But with that Uranus and that Jupiter together, it's just interesting that that shows that it can show up in so many different ways. And in this case, again, it's that relationship life being so emphasized in this chart, even though she is of course mm -hmm. an actor at the, at the, uh, at the, what which is most known for. Let's look at the next one. Next one I have here is Bill Gates. And now we're looking at Venus Saturn. Um, and you can see that's a pretty tight Venus Saturn in his case, right? Um, this this aspect. Now when you put Venus Saturn together, what 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 comes up for you? We can talk about Gates chart after a while. <laughs> in his oh, case, yeah. well actually in his, in his case is it's pretty hilarious because uh he, you know, his background is in technology. Yes. And there you would go to Uranus square the sun, probably right. most yeah, uh, for sure. clearly. But um, he, he, Venus conjunct Saturn and Scorpio. Scorpio is his fifth sign. And he, he built this unbelievable uh, world-class, this enormous toilet for the third world. He's involved in uh, basically transmuting 
waste into water, like clean water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. clean water. Which is great, like a classic Scorpionic, you know, the idea of a toilet Scorpio, and then you're taking, <laughs> you know, poop literally and turning it into water. That's a classic. There, the Venus Saturn. Saturn is a, a planet that uh, organizes things and wants to build things, you know, create structures and so forth, which of course also helped him a lot in his, yeah, yeah. In, his um, in his work. And uh, immediately the logic of discipline when you have saturn close to venus it uh you know enters the scene although saturn venus and here i don't know enough about him other than what i see in the news and so forth but venus saturn in any aspect but especially conjunct square opposed because of venus being a beauty uh, type of you know archetype is what it is so then what you get is that a person may uh, may be constantly engaged in you know one of the saturn's favorite tricks is is a uh, like a constant adjustment a constant uh, you're not happy with it you want to improve mm -hmm. it and so then you can have now uh, a person could say well i mean you might you know once you get into concepts of beauty it could be that someone has a saturn venus square or opposed to conjunct and the person may not be as beautiful in their particular society let's say that that they don't have as much symmetry right. but that's not going to hold that particular thing and i say that person might be concerned and do things to try to improve it but i've seen this happen in the charts of you know models that have saturn venus and they also will spend all their time trying to improve what is already there because saturn never lets you be totally comfortable right. that's one right. of the things about saturn it's like the ultimate uh i'm thinking of the word overcompensation that's right. the thing with saturn we are trying to overcompensate for something so but you know you could also see too how that could lead to great things because it means it's what you're working on if you do it well it could turn out really, really well, whatever the arena is, right? Right, right. I see Venus yeah. Saturn actually as a person who is never quite secure. They never have mm -hmm. enough money, Venus. They never have enough security in their right. relationship. And mm -hmm. one thing that's interesting, a story about him, he gives a lot of his money away. He's a great philanthropist, actually one of the great philanthropists. And yet, you know, there's all these stories about how when he was younger, when he had a lot of money already because he's been around for a while, he wouldn't tip the... He wouldn't tip people properly. He was counting his pennies. It was weird. And, and that's like a scarcity mentality. And I think yeah. Venus Saturn sometimes can make you feel there's not enough. Not always. Of course, there's many manifestations. We also should point out the Venus in this case is for those who are listening and not seeing this is also square the Jupiter Pluto in his chart. Jupiter Pluto being uh, in the second house being a mark actually for people with a lot of wealth and it's square that so there's a driving force to make you know to 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 drive to get security and in his case of course he got massive security but to his credit he is actually um, trying to use it in uh, to benefit others which including making this this large toilet to that you know that actually converts waste into something productive that's that's an incredible use of scorpio yeah, I, yeah. We, we cannot go without saying that the reason he got in trouble into trouble was the saturn venus is issue with his wife right um you know he he ended up that that saturn rules his 11th house and from my understanding he had an affair with someone at work and that created the rift we don't know we'll never know and i mean we're getting into people's business i don't know but it would again the saturn venus showing up in a way that wasn't perhaps helpful to him uh yeah. so anyway that's an example of uh the saturn venus um the the uh, one I have for Saturn, uh, no, Uranus, Venus, is um, 
uh, is this Pluto Venus? Okay, you got to help me because sometimes, I, oh no, it, this is uh, Uranus square uh, Venus and I'm trying to find out who I put up here. Oh, this is Elvis Presley. Elvis Presley, yeah. Yeah, um, because in a way, if you think about him, he's a Venusian figure in his own right, right? He mm-hmm. he really redefined what is a certain type of beauty, which was very much, you know, is very sexual, very, um, uh, it was different from what was there. And that kind of speaks to the Uranus being bringing in a shocking new type of apprehension of that principle, a guy who is extremely, in a way, very feminine, right? He looked, he was quite beautiful, um, but uh, but very Uranian. And actually speaks again to the nature of his relationship, his obsession with Priscilla Presley, and then how even when they divorced, uh, you know, she had all these conditions, she couldn't marry, she couldn't do this and that. Um, and, you know, what do you think about Venus Uranus in general when these two meet together? Because one is very... Venus seems to me to want relationship. Uranus seems to me to flee from wanting relationship or maybe having a different type of relationship is the, is the really uh, the important thing to say here. How do you see it? Well, Uranus, is, Uranus seeks excitement and, and uh, new things. And so uh, that's why in a way it's the antithesis to Saturn. And of course, in any chart, it'll compete with other, other planets. So if, if the Uranus Venus is really in charge, and in this chart, the Saturn, uh, I don't think it helps that much. Mm-hmm. So there's also Pluto involvement opposite his Venus. But if we just focus on Uranus, in a chart like this, it would be very difficult to be in a long term relationship to a person and continue to find it interesting. Or even if you're doing it for whatever reason, whatever your reasoning is for staying in a relationship a long time. Uh, as far as I know, Elvis was notorious for being completely incapable of relating to anyone for very long, which makes which makes a lot of sense. Uh, however, it also would be the Uranus is a rebel, instinctive rebel. So he was bringing in something new and yeah. you know, Sagittarius rising, you know, he was using his hips uh, yeah. a lot to, to do that. <laughs> yeah, it's very suggestive. So Jupiter in the 12th, the taboo, sexual taboo. It, it's like and Scorpio. In that, in Scorpio yeah. yeah, Jupiter and Scorpio. So, but the Uranus in, in, in being square Venus, that helps him to say, I'm just going to do this. I don't care what you think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this yeah. is just yeah. how I see it. I know you have your values, but I have this other superior value that tells me something different. And so uh, it can help you in that way, provided you're able to channel it, because you could also say a teenager with Venus square Uranus, that could be a lot of uh, mm-hmm. a lot of trouble in that there's just, I'll just, keep, I, I want to do this. Yeah. And Uranus, Uranus has, it's, it, it's like, in fact, the outer planets, Uranus, Neptune, Pluto, it feels like very strong uh, energy that just possesses you. It seizes mm-hmm. you. And if you're on one of those transits, off you go to express that particular energy. This guy has it there his whole life. Also, in his chart, fifth sign. So that immediate draw to the fifth sign, which is romance. You know, also his creativity and so forth. So it's it's doing all of that in a in a in a major way. Overall, my feeling is he this would have been in the end. I think was probably more a liability to him. In, right. You know, in terms of finding longevity. You know, right. more of a a stable situation. Well, I would say that the longevity, if you think about it, I mean, we're not going into the weeds with the chart, but I just see that Venus opposite Pluto, square Uranus, and the Pluto's in the eighth house. And he had a very sudden death, uh, cardiac arrest, right? Um, and so you just think, and early and young, he was only 42, right? I think early 40s, definitely. 
Uh, I think he died in 1977 and he's, I think he's, anyway, yeah, he was in his early forties for sure. Mm. And yeah, so it almost signals that, but, but yeah, no, I, I forgot about the hips. That's, that's hysterical that uh, Jupiter sitting there in the 12th house of Scorpio and Scorpio 12th house. And he's going around basically upsetting people because he's using his body in a very sexual way. In a way yeah, yeah, no, and, it, and it's kind of Sagittarius is, is, you know, this is where people sometimes think I always remind them people think that, Astrologers make things up when they say no. planets and signs rule body parts. It is not made up. It is, do, it yeah, is yeah, deadly accurate. It's just that you have to look for the, no. you know, what you're seeing, look for the manifestation and, and link it properly. Right. The other thing with Venus is if you think of Venus as your your desires as well, you know, Venus, Venus rules sugar, sweet, anything that is sweet it's to good. you in any way, shape or form. This guy became completely reckless, uh, in which for a Capricorn is really unusual. Right. <laughs> you think of a Capricorn. So he became totally crazy with the food. Apparently he would be in his room eating everything in sight and he gained a massive amount of weight. And that to me is your Venus is just completely running amok. And there again, the other planets aren't helping him because no, no. Uranus, square Venus, Pluto, square Venus, that's you know going to be mostly unstable unless the person is... Uh, in some manner doing some kind of personal practice that brings in the awareness, you know, to, to be able to channel forces like that. Uh, so uh, that's, uh, that's uh, this particular Venus is quite unusual in that it's in Capricorn, you'd expect it to be more Most disciplined, people, but yeah. it doesn't have, you know, there's no connection to Saturn. There's no real help from anywhere. All it has is the that it's that T-square with two right. big forces, one of which are, is Uranus. Yes. I would say that the other thing about Venus Uranus for people who may have this aspect in their own chart is that I think you need a little bit of space in a relationship and you have to have a partner who's willing to understand that. Um, if they don't, then I think you feel completely overwhelmed by the other. Uh, I, I always find Venus Uranus people, it's interesting, my own group, everybody who has Venus Uranus uh aspects has been married more than once and it's almost like a way to try to figure out a way to mm. get that space if you find space you're going to be okay right but if you end up attracting or being attracted to a very clingy person then you create a situation where you will invariably feel uncomfortable it's it's very strange and sometimes it even works the opposite where you keep finding people who leave you i don't know yes that okay that was the one when you have venus square uranus because the attraction principle links to uranus right and there's a square, you can already anticipate lack of reliability, unpredictability, the very thing that draws you because, oh, oh, she, if it's a man, oh, she's really attractive because you can't predict what she's going to do. Well, that's good at the beginning. <laughs> and that drives you crazy. <laughs> it's a big problem because I can't predict what she's going to do. But that's what you liked. Well, there you go. So this is a principle in Jungian psychology, which is why I think the map of the chart helps so much, which is you're always going to be attracted to the parts of yourself you're not expressing. And once you actually end up with that person and you start to express those parts, then the only thing that will keep a relationship together is compassion and friendship. Because if you don't have that, and then there's impossible because you've almost fulfilled the destiny that you were looking within that, that specific uh, um, interchange. Okay, so mm -hmm. then we go next to our Venus-Neptune um, uh, chart. And I wanted to choose, I, I thought Jimmy Carter is a great example of Venus-Neptune. Um, uh, mm -hmm. just because he so exemplifies that positive aspect of Venus-Neptune. Uh, in this case, it's in Leo in the 11th house, okay? So it makes so much sense because it's he's known for building houses even in his 90s for Habitat for Humanity. There it is, 
in the 11th house of groups, associations, um, uh, someone who knows how to give, who's very dedicated. And Venus is really about the, the, the almost compassion to on a very high level, you're taking the two planets who are often associated, which are often associated with some level of compassion. Venus is even higher than, than Venus, than, sorry, Neptune is higher, a bigger expression of that principle. And you're putting them together. And so the positive expression is, I think, what he has demonstrated in his life. He's almost 100 years old, right? And mm -hmm. and he just continued all of his life to give, 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 and be very humble. So I thought this was a particularly good example of Venus-Neptune. But what's the shadow side of Venus-Neptune? How, how can it work in a way that is maybe not as salubrious as this one? Well, uh, one, one interpretation that's out there that I would generally subscribe to is, you know, in the Neptune as the higher octave of Venus. Neptune is like a big Venus in a certain sense, where Venus is love nature, a person's personal love nature, and Neptune brings in a more cosmic type of love. So there's a sense that with with Venus Neptune, you you are filled with this sense of, for instance, finding the ultimate love, the perfect soulmate, and uh, experiencing uh, almost always feelings like that in relationships. But then, the problem is that uh, Venus Neptune people, I notice a lot when they're square, opposite, even conjunct. Jimmy Carter definitely not in this category at all. But the idea of just like Venus Uranus can mean multiple marriages and so forth. Venus Neptune is also notorious for that because once you lose that, that, or rather you can't keep it all the time, you know, it's this sort of the logic that you can have these amazing numinous feelings for a certain period of time, then you have to live your life and, and uh, it's impossible to keep it that way. So then you, you move around looking, looking for it. It's like the, the drug addict that can never uh, replicate the feeling of the first time they had the feeling of that mm -hmm. drug because then their nervous system gets used to it and doesn't produce it. And it's the same thing with Venus, Neptune and relationships. Uh, it's classic for a person that needs to go through many relationships to figure it out. And the part of the reason they're doing it with so, so often is because, how we said earlier, they're not conscious of the fact that they're seeking something that in a way can't be found other than in themselves. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but, no, no, for sure. It's interesting they, that, you know, one of the classic things, one of the classic ways that Venus Neptune manifests can be in, as an alcoholic. And weirdly, he was one of the things we know about him, which was very public is I think his wife had issues with alcohol at some point. And um, am I right on this or maybe I'm, I'm, I'm not right. I don't know. If I'm I don't getting... know, but, it, but it's a good segue because Neptune yeah. that I, I just, I spoke of Neptune as the, the utopia that it can mean, but Neptune as it descends is a very escapist energy and the idea of intoxicants, drugs, things that if you think about what they're doing is you are using a, a quick, it's like using a credit card to generate peace in yourself, to generate a sense of balance. What you're not realizing is that it's making it even worse for other reasons and so forth. But yeah, it's very common. Neptune Neptune, Venus. Now, it might uh, not have been her. It might have been Betty Ford. I know Betty Ford for sure, so I'm not yeah, sure if it's hers. Sure. But I think that in, in the main, he is a great example. And it, the Venus rules this chart, so it's an important planet, That he and his son. So it rules both his ascendant and his son. So he, you're focusing on the, primarily on the kindness here, the fact yeah, that... He, I, I really, yeah, I think there are very few mm -hmm. people that have demonstrated, because you could say, well, you know, he's doing it for show, but a man who, you know, who, who shows up after cancer treatment to build, he needs to go back to build those houses. 
uh, and he's in his 90s, and you see him dedicated and very quiet, you know, doesn't go around. He's not like the other people that go around trying to get attention. You know, the other thing we've seen famously with him is being on a plane and saying hi to everybody. He's the ultimate and friendly. There's a real feeling that this man is is truly living out a compassionate life and that that was the purpose that he that he saw himself fulfilling. By the way, just as an interesting thing, I didn't couldn't find an example for Venus Mars, and you notice he's got the Venus Mars opposition in his opposition. chart. <laughs> so there, yeah, is. yeah. no, and, and uh, there well, that probably you, drove him, right? That probably drove him, and his yeah, it, it, it's it's en it's energizing, and uh, the thing where he was, uh, you know, he's he's a farmer, he's out there, yeah. you know, the, the idea of physicality is yeah. is a, is a Venus think, Mars yeah. thing. Well, even building yeah. houses at 93, 94, yeah. and that's very physical. I don't think most ninety four year olds are going around with a tool. A belt, you know, hammering away for poor mm -hmm. people. That's it's quite amazing, you know. Very true. Okay. Yeah. So now right. we're going to look at uh, the the final of the uh, of the uh, which is the Venus uh, Pluto, uh, which can be extremely difficult as well. And this is a Venus Pluto square, and it's in the actually the the um, the uh, chart of Michael Moore, the the director of um, Roger and Me, and uh, all these ones that are very politically active. You notice that Venus and Taurus. He really talks about reality. <laughs> He's not writing magical realist tracks. He really wants you to know. And a lot of his work has to do with um, the situation around money for people, how they deal with that, how they deal with the fact that, you know, you don't have um, universal health care or what, the rights, right? And it's up there in the 10th house, which makes sense, ruling the sun in the 10th house. But square the Pluto, which is on his ascendant. Um, and so it's like a driving force. So how, yeah, I've seen Venus Pluto a lot in musicians charts as well. They, and, and musicians who seem to have a very intense, intense expression of emotion, let's say, and they go really deep. How do you see Venus Pluto when it gets, comes together in a chart? Well, in this chart, it, you, you, you have to bring in where they're, they're placed as well, because first sign, 10th sign. So he's trying to change the uh, Pluto is obsessed with with changing something with literally killing it, destroying it and creating it anew. So Moore has never been happy with the money distribution in American society. He's always been complaining about it and he's trying to change it. So that's the Pluto, the Pluto Venus uh, situation in him. If you talk about it in standard relationship patterns, uh, you get into the Pluto archetype where particularly you, if it's a man, he's drawn to doing typically because Pluto Pluto tends to express the more male. Uh, it's, it, if you think of Neptune as being a super Venus, Pluto is a super Mars. Mm -hmm. So the idea of a man expressing his Pluto Venus by trying to control a woman, trying to overpower her, uh, but a woman with Pluto Venus drawn to men like that because yeah. they they carry that power in themselves, but they don't often don't realize that society doesn't necessarily encourage them to. That's changing to a, a major extent in the modern era. But even so, because a woman is instinctively more likely to go toward her Venus or toward her moon, you know, they're her planet, so to speak, she's more likely to project the Pluto and find herself in a situation with a, with a man that at first is very appealing because he's very magnetic and very seemingly powerful. Then she realizes, oh, he's a controlling all the way to a stalker or worse. I mean, right, anything right. is possible. Right. So uh, th that's how, when when they join together, 
the, the type of thing you get with, with Pluto Venus, right? I find the Venus Pluto archetype reminds me very much of the underworld journey that uh, is associated with Pluto Hades. So people with Pluto Venus are either attracted to an idea which is so intense that they are literally, not literally because no one's taken to the underworld, metaphorically taken to the underworld where they experience extreme emotions. Like they can't be in a situation that is not super intense. It doesn't feel alive to them. And that could have been because, you know, all of our formation, it could have been because when they were young, they had an initial uh, experience where that felt like it was normal. And to them, that is normal. It's not like I'm, I'm labeling something normal or not, but it can be difficult in that, you know, it can turn, the shadow side is a can turn to what you say, controlling, being controlled, or maybe you being controlling of someone else. And it all arises, I think, from fear. Fear is at the heart of a lot of this, that, if that you'll either be overwhelmed or that you will be taken to the underworld. And so you try to control the situation so that doesn't happen, perhaps because it's happened before to you. But it can be very difficult. I think with all the Venus outer planet placements, it is the idea that an archetype can take you over and you have no control. I mean, there's just no way uh, right. you can work on it. I think you can work and people do work on it. The other thing about Venus is that he's done this. And I think I've seen it in musicians charts for the same reason. He has transformed that drive into movies and to trying to help things in the 10th house uh, affair. Uh, and mm -hmm. I think Venus can be your art and he has done that with his art. And, and, uh, you know, I'm thinking of, I'm just off the top of my head, PJ Harvey. I've seen quite a few charts of musicians that are very intense. That's how they're channeling that intense energy. They're just putting mm -hmm. it into song or into a book. Yeah. Right. And uh, so it's a, it's a much, I think it's a healthier way, let's say to, to do it. And maybe that's how they're working it out as well. And maybe it's happening both in a relationship and outside of that. But there will be a tendency, and especially in this chart, of course, just to, to make it specific, he's got Pluto right on the ascendant. So his need to control will be bigger, I think, than, than the average. But he is taking it and putting it out in the world and saying something is wrong with Venus in Taurus, which is our fundamental existence, right? How we, the the, the tools of food, the, the tools of of um, the thing, subsistence, right? How do we exist in the world? Well, that's a Taurus kind of thing, right? And so it's interesting that he's been able to translate into that. So I would say that that's the other aspect of, of that chart that, uh, and, that sings to me. So, yeah, in this chart, the health thing, all those planets in the sixth, you know, in, in Capricorn. So, you know, people find ways to express their charts. And then the question is, how well is it being expressed how harmoniously is it being expressed and harmonious basically means is the person happy is the person at ease and also what is the result of what they're doing as time is passing because if something if something is good you know it tends to have longevity it tends to influence the world and it tends to to survive so to speak yeah. whereas if someone is mismanaging something like a pluto venus thing that's how you get those blow-ups and those disasters and those uh, in fact, we talked about Russell Brandt a while back. Right. That's Pluto confronting you with an archetype you've lost control of. Yeah, yeah, it's taking you over completely. Yeah, it's taking I would say, you over. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I would say that what's great about him is, first of all, he's got a nice Mars trying that sun. He was very brave at a time when people weren't being very brave. If you remember the Academy Awards when he was the only person uh, to oppose the Iraq War. Michael, We're talking about Michael Moore. Michael Moore, yeah, he's the well, guy. It's a pretty wide trime, but I guess you could count it. Oh Three. no, no, I'm talking. Sorry, I'm talking about the 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 Sun Mars being the, the Sun guy. Mars trine. Yeah, right, yeah, right, right. Very, okay. very. So he yeah. he 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 was he was quite I think quite brave in a way that a lot of people weren't weren't willing to. And I think a lot of the issues like he he takes on from guns to to the working class issues from you know Roger and me are are issues that are 
you do need a little bit of bravery because there's going to be pushback in one way or another. And he's definitely experienced it. But yeah, that Pluto Venus is a driving force, I believe. Okay. Do you want to say, I don't have an example of Venus Eris, Venus Eris, but you are one of the few astrologers that uses Eris. What would you say those two uh, coming together would, would look like? Well, I don't have it again. I don't have an example chart, but. Well, uh, you know, even you say I, I use it, but I'm, it's a work in progress and that it's a relatively new planet. So. Right, right. Uh, so far with Eris, the one thing I notice is, is it's a tremendous drive to compete with other people or with yourself. It has a, uh, at times can be cutthroat competition. So if you see Eris and Venus, uh, you could see potentially in the fashion industry, you know, where women are, are, uh, you know, making it a career and then things like beauty pageants. Uh, may have a connection to right. Eris um, and, and so forth. But uh, if you look at it in the more, uh, you know, potentially positive way, then you would say that if you're able to use the energy of competition in a way that is harmonious, it can be very useful because uh, when you're not competing, you're less likely to get as much out of yourself in some direction. So that that is a, a, a useful energy. And in a in a uh, men's chart, Venus Eris, depending on the connection, could, uh, much like how we said earlier, Venus Uranus could put you in touch with a person that is very interesting by, through their unpredictability, then they become a problem through their unpredictability. So in Venus Eris, Eris is likely to be a warrioress, a woman right, who right. speaks for herself and wants to do what she wants to do, which is very interesting until perhaps it isn't at some point, right? Yeah. Depending on your own uh, connection to, uh, to to the Eris. And Eris, Eris uh, to my mind, is it is it does define many of these, you know, modern women that are doing things for themselves. They're out in the world. They speak clearly. You know, they, they tell you what they feel. Uh, in other words, they're competing with men, which is what Eris basically inclines them to do. And then, of course, you could see where that could get you in trouble as well. If you do it wrong, it, yeah. you, it might not work out, right? So uh, Venus opposite Eris, for example, could could bring that about. But right. on the other hand, it could take you to really high places, right? right? And once again, this is a planet that the way to learn about it is to pay attention to it in action to see what's going on with something, you know. Uh, it's hard because that orbit so long and we're now in the face of the orbit where it stays longer it stays longer in aries let's say than it does in libra so it moves very very glacially slow uh but yeah it's it's a way to actually look at it and track it and i hope more people are tracking it because you have to you can't to me if you've demoted a planet and she is responsible for demoting pluto from the, yeah. the pantheon you're probably pretty important <laughs> you, you know yeah. You should look at it just from the perspective of you're going to to match the inner and the outer, which is what archetypes do. Yeah, it might be worth looking at it. Okay, so next time we'll look at Mars and maybe actually we'll combine it with Mars and Jupiter. Just or we'll see how it goes. Um, but yeah, I, I certainly won't miss Mars like I did Venus. I kept uh, missing it somehow. <laughs> <laughs> that was weird. And not only that, but I will confess to everybody Venus? that I actually uh, we had to re-record re this because I actually even got some of this wrong with the chart that was Venus Mars, which is what I have in my own chart. So maybe there is a block somewhere there. Those, yeah, maybe it's like squares, you're, right? you're acting like you're acting like like Venus and Mars and everything is retrograde, right? Is that... <laughs> yes, that's it. All, all the <laughs> but time. But it's not. But it's not. <laughs> no, I know, I know, I know. 
all the time though. It never, never stops. Okay. All right. So, um, so that's it. That's it for today. Next until next time. Bye. Sounds good. Thanks for listening today. If you want to hear more about all of this, go to YouTube where you will find Andre's channel called Astrology Alert. He posts videos there almost daily. He also teaches classes through his Patreon account. You can find me at sophiacycles.com. If you want to support my work, I've recently released a new novel called Invocation, which you may find of interest. Go to my website to see a book trailer about it. It's available in all fine bookstores, including Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Finally, if you like this podcast, please rate it and leave a review so that others will find it as well. Mm